Hey, we have a pretty special service planned for you guys, and not only do we get to honor the graduates, but we brought in one of my favorite people in the entire world. His name is Pastor Chano Trevino. He's from Guts Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was my internship director when I was an intern at Guts, and can I just tell you that uh, he has been one of the most faithful, steady, honest men that I've ever met in my entire life. He's been a pillar to many, and, and what's cool is, you know, when someone has a birthday and you see all the people that post on there, the, 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 just reading some of the things that people have posted about Chano Trevino have, it, it's the truth. He has been so faithful and so steadfast, and, and if, if you guys get anything out of this, you, you, you need to realize that you want to be like Pastor Chano. So could we just give him a round of applause as he welcomes Pastor Chano Trevino. All right, all right. Well, what Stephen didn't mention is that I'm from the Northwest. I'm from Hermiston, Oregon. How many of y'all know where Hermiston is, right? It's right over the river. My whole life. As a matter of fact, this is crazy, but my elementary school PE teacher, Mr. Conklin's in the house right over there. Let's give him a hand. Can I just tell you, teachers change lives. They really do. It's an amazing work that they do. The fact that he even reached out to me, I was just like, this is amazing. It's so amazing. I love this place. Um, I was raised around here my entire life. Uh, so you guys know, um, I'm full Hispanic. And so every day has been a party since I've been home already. And it's a different kind of party that I'm used to back home at church. So I've been having to kind of just be prayed up and staying in the Word and excited about what God's doing. So I am so happy to be with you guys this morning and just get in the word and worship God. And, uh, but let's pray and we'll get this thing started. Father, we love you so much. God, we exalt the name of Jesus in here. God, the name that is above every name. God, our hearts, our minds, they're open to receive your word today, God. God, that we grow in you this morning. God, we desire above all else to know you more in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, I got this message. So I like to, I don't have a great attention span, just so you know. I get fidgety. I'm that kid in class that got in trouble for talking too much. And I don't think it's because I was a bad kid. It's just because I didn't know when to stop, right? So I love when somebody posts like a two-minute message on YouTube. That's my jam, right? Like I'm like two and a half minutes. I can focus through this whole message. It's going to be amazing. And so I was listening to one of those, and it literally was titled, God is Better. God is Better. And I thought, yeah, like whatever they're talking about, the answer is yes, God is Better. I remember listening to it, and it had an effect on me. It had an effect on me so much, I jumped in the Word. I began to sculpt a whole message out of that one comment, God is better. And the message I just titled it, Turn to God, because God is better. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've dealt with, whatever's held you down, some of you guys, you're on a great track, but something maybe has slowed you down recently. Whatever that thing is, just step aside and say, you know what, God's better. The plan, the purpose that he has for me is better than me being slowed down or stopped or entangled in something that I know I shouldn't be a part of. Because at the end of the day, we all have something. There's something we're struggling with, there's something that's slowing us down, or there's something around the corner. That's just the fact. That's just how life goes. And it's just being reminded, God is better. God is so much better. In, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 2, starting in verse 2, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak out of Jeremiah a little bit this morning. And this is how we start. When we give our lives to the Lord, when we get on track with God, this is how we normally start. It says, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. I remember that devotion of your youth. I remember that when nothing slowed you down, 
when nothing could stop you. And here's what it says in the New Living Translation. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago, how you loved me and you followed me even through the barren wilderness. Because let me just tell you, if there's ever a time that we kind of step away from God, sometimes it's because we hit that barren wilderness. It's because something we feel like how things should have happened didn't happen the way we wanted them to happen. Or because it didn't work out the way that we saw it working out. Can I just tell you God is better? God is better. It's not going to work out the way you want it to work out. And it's not normally going to be the way you saw it happening. It's going to be so much better. Because God's a good father. Man, God's such a good father. I'm a dad. I have five kids. Anybody here got more than five kids? Good, because I'm competitive. There is one. I lose again. Man, there was someone in last night's service too. Well, I have five kids, but, but becoming a dad is the greatest thing in the world. It truly is. And when you love the Lord, you begin to realize the love of the Father. You begin to realize that you would do anything for them to be able to fulfill the call of God on their life. God is doing everything he can so that we can do the exact same thing. Because he loves us that much. I'm trying to think of what would stop me from just making sure my kids had everything they needed. And there's nothing that comes to mind. And God is the exact same way with you. I remember how eager you were. I remember the devotion of your youth. And normally something happens. Something happens that gets us to look to the left or the right, gets us to slow down. Here's what it says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Thus says the Lord, what wrong did your fathers find in me? Like, what did I do wrong? God's thinking, how did I mess up? It says, what wrong did your fathers find in me? That they went far from me, and they went after worthlessness, and they became worthless. That's heavy. He's just thinking, what, what, wrong, what, did I, what did I not do? What did they not see that made them walk away from me? That made them go far from me? I mean, what a question being asked by God. What wrong did your fathers find in me? What was it? Because there's normally something that happens. I mentioned that it's, it's something that just, it just didn't work the way you thought it would work. Or man, we just thought, God, you should have done it this way. Or God, you, you should have done this and you didn't do it. And it messes with us. And next thing you know, we're far from God. Let me tell you, I don't ever want to be far from God, ever. Man, what I've experienced in my life, it's unreal. I, I mean, I, I just, I, I want, I desire more of God. I want to be around the people of God. I want to be in God's presence. It's just what I desire. That should be the desire of our heart. But man, when we start to get slowed down, it's because something's happened. And we got to begin to recognize it and see it. Then the question becomes, how do we respond? In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, for my people have done two evil things. One, they have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. So the fountain of living water is God, and he says, man, you've abandoned me. You've walked away from this fountain of living water where you'll, you'll never thirst again. And then it says, two, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can't hold any water. So a cistern is a place where, we, where when you needed water, you filled the cistern up, so then when you needed water, you could go to it. But the reality is, if it's not God, it's a cracked cistern. And we're trying to fill this thing up saying, I'm okay, okay? My walk with God's not good, but I've built success. But success is a cracked cistern. It's not, it can't hold the water. It's not living water. It's okay, it's okay. I'm in this good relationship now. I'm going to be okay. That good relationship is a cracked cistern because it's not God. God is living water. That water will never run out. But the reality is we build these cisterns. And that's why God said, you've done two things wrong. You didn't just abandon me. You didn't just abandon me, the living water. But the second thing you did was you tried to build a form of me that cannot, let me just tell you, there's nothing on this earth that can do what God can do. 
There's nothing on this earth that can fulfill you like God can fulfill you. There's nothing on this earth that can quench your thirst like God can. Nothing. But what happens as people, we begin to think, I figured it out. This will make me pretty happy. Let me build this cistern. And it doesn't hold water. So you go back to it, and it doesn't have any water. You're thinking, I just got to fill it up again. If I just fill it up again, if I just rebuild it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to duct tape some areas because duct tape fixes everything, right? Like if I could duct tape this cistern, I'm going to be good, and it won't work. It's not God. But you see it over and over and over again. There may be something in your life right now that you're realizing is a cracked cistern. You've built this thing thinking it's going to make me better, and it isn't. The answer is and always will be God. He's better. He's better than whatever you're dealing with, whatever you've, you've thought, hey, this is going to work out good. It will not. It will not. Man, there's nothing that can take the place of God in your life. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. You guys know the devil's got strategies to try and knock you out. It says the strategies of the devil. And the New King James Version says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So it's just like, okay, he's got strategies, he's got wiles. So here's the definition of wile. Devious or cunning. Employed in manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. Skill in outwitting. That's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to outwit you. He's trying to have these creative strategies to knock you off course. Because what he hates is someone who's passionate and living for God. Man, I did youth ministry for 10 years, and here's what I tell kids. He's not just using drugs and sex and alcohol. He's using sports. He's using academics. He doesn't care as long as God isn't your number one focus. That's all he cares. He, if he can knock God to two or to five or to seven, as long as he can get God from being number one in your life, he doesn't care if it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. He just wants to get him off your list. Because sometimes we get caught up in these good things and realizing, uh-oh, where am I at in my relationship with God? Man, I've put too much focus and attention on something else that isn't him, and it's distracting me from my relationship with him. How the enemy comes. And we're going to start right out of the book of Genesis because he came after us right out of the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. Here's what the enemy will do. The enemy will question the word that's in you. You come to church. You get in your word every day. You're reading your Bible, and God is placing this word on the inside of you. So the enemy, at the very beginning, what he does is he begins to question that word that God's put in you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 3 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You should not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, she knew that's what God had said. She knew that, that he had said that to Adam and that there had been this communication, but now he's questioning it. He's questioning it, and he's so cunning. He says, Did he really say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I'm telling you, the enemy is going to do that in every area of your life. Man, when you begin to stand on God for your healing, he's going to say, did he really say you're healed? Man, when you begin to stand on God for your finances, he's going to say, did he really tell you to tithe? I'll tell you, he's going to begin to question that word that's already in you. That word that's been placed in you, he's going to question it. And then number two, he's going to deny the word, and he's going to present compromise. That's what he does. He presents compromise. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 4, says, Then the serpent said to the woman, you, sh- you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He's like, listen, you're not going to die. That's crazy talk. Man, here's what your eyes are going to be open. It's gonna, life's going to be so much better if you do this. And they knew God already said not to do that. 
Can I just tell you, that's, that, it's simple breakdown. God tells you to do something, the enemy's going to try and tell you to do the opposite. Or he's going to find a cunning or a strategy or a wily way to get you to do that thing. But he doesn't come in just saying don't. He comes in saying surely he questions the word. And then he, and then he presents the compromise. Listen, 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 listen. This isn't that bad. Man, you know successful people who do this. You know, you know people have done this in the past and they've gotten past. It's not that bad. Man, just go ahead and try it. And last, he tempts you with something that appears to be good. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. She was drawn to the good of tree, not the evil. Eve was drawn to the good of that tree, not the evil. When we've been walking with the Lord, the enemy will try to use things that seem good to keep us from what God intends for us to be better. And you have to recognize that. I think we just think, no, it's sin. He's just going to try and trap me in sin. Can I just tell you, my kids play sports. Sports is not sin. But if it becomes an idol in their life, and they're missing church all the time, and they're not involved in what I know God's called to be involved in, man, it knocks them off track. And the enemy begins to win. And I'm just telling you that because that's not a bad thing. That's not my, my, one of my, my oldest daughter loves school. She's the kind of kid that you have to tell her to do her homework. She's the kind of kid that I try to get to procrastinate, right? Like, she's like doing her, her report a week beforehand. She becomes a grading curve. But I told her the other day, you know that if you get a B, I still love you? Do you know if you get a B, God still has an amazing plan for your life? Because that school can become an idol. That school can become, I find my value in being a straight-A student. I, I find my value in a high SAT score. That's not where we find our value. It's not in the money we make. It's not in the success we have. We find our value in knowing God. We find our value in what God says about us and who he says that we are. So the enemy is going to come and he's going to have these strategies. He's going to be wily. All he's trying to do is he's trying to get you to make a broken cistern, a cracked cistern. If he can get you to make something that seems like it'll take water in and it can't hold anything at all, then he can get you from the living water. He can get you from going to the source that you know will provide everything that you need, but he can get you off track. Man, I'm telling you, he's just trying to get you a little bit off track. He's not, he's, he knows you. He knows you know the Lord. He knows you may not dive into sin. But man, he's thinking, if I can just get him off track a little bit, if I can just get him focused on something that isn't God, if I can just get him focused on something that isn't loving people and inviting them to church and, and, and getting them saved, if I can just get them thinking of something else more, man, it's a small victory for him. Let's don't give him a small victory in our life. Let's not give the enemy any place in our life. Let's say God is first and nothing will ever push him out of that place in our lives. John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, says this. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who... And who and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Here we are. Jesus shouldn't even be talking to this woman. Samaritans and Jews don't deal with one another. Man, there's obviously a, a racial divide in this country, and there's no interaction. And her first thought is, why are you asking me? You shouldn't even be talking to me. The way our culture works, we don't talk to each other. And all he said was, give me a drink. And she's like, we shouldn't even be talking. And he's like, if you realized who was talking to you, 
you would realize that it's more than just this pail of water, that he would give you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, where do you get that living water? So she's still thinking, you know, rationally. She's still thinking, wait, wait, wait. How are you going to give me living water? You don't have a bucket. Uh, you need a bucket to be able to give living water because everything she's ever known had to come in a substance form. She hadn't experienced yet what he was about to give her. She, she, she's tried so many different things, but she hadn't had this experience yet. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. Or whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Imagine that. Can I just tell you that's what the world's looking for, to never thirst again. It's what they need and sometimes don't even know it. Because they've gone so long to keep finding things to try and fill in the cistern that it's like, well, I have a source of water, but it goes away. And then, then I find another source of water, but then it's gone. They, they, all they want is to never thirst again. But whoever drinks this water, I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Right? She's heard it. It makes sense to her now. Something on the inside of her is like, I need what you're talking about that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. She's like, listen, there's something special about you. Well, you just read my mail, and this does not make sense. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I should worship, but you're saying we should worship here. And he says, said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am he. Everything she's been waiting for her life is standing right in front of her. She knew there was a Messiah coming. She was talking with him and still didn't realize it. And he was offering her living water. And here's what I love about this. Jesus is about getting us living water. It's not a, he's not about what we're doing wrong. Let me explain this to you. He could have used any person to make this point. Any person. He chose someone who had been married five times and was living with somebody that was not her husband. And he didn't care. He just knew that she was thirsty and needed living water. He knew that her trying to find a man was her cracked cistern. He knew that was her broken cistern. He knew that she just thought, if I can marry the right guy... I'm going to be fulfilled and I'll never thirst again. But it's a cracked cistern. It doesn't work. She tried it once, didn't work. It's the wrong guy. Tried it t twice, it's the wrong guy. Tried it three times, maybe it's me. Tried the fourth guy, maybe it's he and I. Tried the, now I'm just going to live with this guy. I'm not going to marry him. Jesus didn't care what she was involved in. All he cared about was getting her this living water. Can I tell you, that's what Tri-Cities needs. Tri-Cities needs people who don't care about what other people are doing wrong. All they care about is getting them Jesus, about getting them this living water. I'm telling you, it's the best news in the world. I, I, I did not live a godly life. 
And there was a guy by the name of Rod Brigada who just never gave up on me. I literally thought if he knew how bad of a kid I was, he'd quit inviting me to these Christian events. I thought that. I thought if he just realized who I really was, he wouldn't invite me anymore. And I'm telling you, I kind of gave up. He was a hard guy to say no to. He had been a wrestling coach. He was just a nice guy. And I remember the last event he invited me to, and I just thought, man, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to go to any of the sessions. I'm not going. I'm just done. I, I can't live this Christian life they talk about. It's got to be impossible. It can't be done. But I can't say no to Rod. Why? Because he'd built a relationship with me. He had helped. And I'm telling you, he had been there when I needed somebody to be there. And all he said was, hey, come. I'll cover the cost. That I'm going to go, but I'm not going to like it, right? I'm going to go, and I'm not going to really listen to anything. And the very last night, I sat down to listen to the speaker. And let me just tell you how uh, superficial I was. I'd gone to a few of these events with Rod, and I'd never heard a Hispanic preacher. And on the last night, guess what they had? Hispanic preacher. And I thought, I should listen to this guy. We look alike. This will be fun. And so I, I sit down to listen to him. And I'm telling you, every question I had of God, he answered. And I don't know how. And I, I, there was, I think there was 25,000 people at Jesus Northwest that year. But the message he brought was for me. And I remember going down front. And I remember thinking, I've prayed this prayer before. I remember thinking, I've prayed this prayer a hundred times. And I just looked up and I just said, God, I'm in. I'm all in. Whatever it takes, I'm yours. I'm giving you my life, every part of it and every area of it. I was, eight, I was about to be 18 years old, 39 now, so that was, do the math, however many, many years from then. And I've never turned back. And all I can think of was, I just had a moment with God. That lady had a moment with Jesus at the well. One moment that's forever going to change her life. One moment because she's going to partake of the water and she's never going to thirst again. Can I just tell you, that's what people need. Because everyone all around is building these things that think will work to bring them joy and peace and happiness. Can I just tell you, it's only God. God is better than whatever they've built. God is better than whatever they're trying to fill their lives with. And all we got to do is remember is God's going to use us. God's going to use us. I had a good friend growing up. His name was Justin Holland, and he didn't love the Lord, and he was a good athlete, didn't live for God at all whatsoever, and I'd been saved for about a week and a half, and uh, so I knew everything, and um, I couldn't hang out where we always used to hang out because I didn't want to do the things that they'd done, and they weren't ready to come to church with me, so I kind of just thought, God, am I losing my friends? God, am I losing these people that I've known my entire life in this small community? What am I going to do? Am I just going to sit in my room and read my Bible all day? I had no idea. And I said, they asked me to go play basketball. And I thought, okay, that's something I can do. That's out in the open. I'm not going to mess up there. And we go to play basketball. And, you know, you shoot to play in. And for the first time ever, I missed. And I didn't get to play in. And uh, I sit on the bench. And Justin sits down. And he just looks at me. And he says, I want to know God. All I had done is prayed for my friends. I hadn't tried to save them or anything. I, I hadn't tried to tell them about Jesus. I just was, hey, I go to church. Would you come to church with me? Because I don't even know that I could have led them in the salvation prayer just yet. Like I said, I'm about a week and a half in. And my question was, why? Why? Why, why do you want to know God? And he said, I was at a party, and it was getting crazy. And I just said, God, if you get me out of this, I'll give you my life. And he said, instantly everything changed. And my next thought was I needed to come talk to you. 
I literally took him to the person that I knew that could lead him to the Lord because I didn't know exactly how to lead him to the Lord. Can I just tell you, if you're not sure, get him to this place right here. Get him to this place right here. Let him have a chance of coming to this altar. Just be available. Just pray for those people you work with. Pray for the neighbors that you have. a lot Because they need God. He's better. They're dealing with broken cisterns. They're dealing with, with, with trying to just marry and marry and marry and marry again. And it's not going to ever fill them up. And Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't care how broken they are. He doesn't care how many times they've messed up. One of the greatest things Pastor Bill ever said was, our God is the God of a second chance. Our God is the God of another chance and another and another and another and another. I was one of those people who needed a few others, right? Like I needed that in my life. There are people in your community who have given up on God, but God has not given up on them. He needs you to reach them. He needs you to reach them. John chapter 7 and verse 37 says this. It says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirst, if anyone thirst, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone thirst, he's not qualifying. He doesn't say, you know, if you're young and you're thirsty, if you're old and you thirst, if you're white, brown, black, he says, if anyone thirst, anyone, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Can I just tell you, Jesus is all about getting people living water. And let me, let me let you in on a secret. The way he's decided to do that is through you. You're his vessel. You're his connection to people on this planet. It's you opening your mouth. It's you living your life. It's you being the example. It's you saying, come to church. It's you seeing somebody and you know they're going through something and saying, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Can I just tell you that changes people's lives? The world doesn't care like Christians care. The world is just trying to figure out how they can get one up on somebody else. Christians, we're here to serve one another. We're here to love one another. There is living water that resides on the inside of you. There are people in this community who need that living water. Let's don't be selfish. Let's don't hold it for ourselves. Jesus said, if anyone, if anyone, and he didn't just say it, but he showed by example, because the woman that he gave this living water to had been married five times and was living with somebody who wasn't her husband. He did not care. He wasn't about what she was doing wrong. He was about getting her salvation. He was about getting her living water. Can we just be those same people? Let us just love no matter what. Let us just be those that, no matter who we come into contact with, no matter how many times they've messed up, let's just choose to love them. Let's choose to get them into God's house because this place can change their life forever. Let's pray in here. Father, we love you so much. God, we exalt the name of Jesus in this place. God, show us if there's broken cisterns in our life. God, show us if there's things that have taken your rightful place as number one in our lives. Our desire, God, is to know you, to make you known, and above all else, God, to seek first your kingdom. 
if you're in here this morning, your life's not right with God for whatever reason, you just need a fresh start with God. Maybe you've recognized there's some broken cisterns in your life. Maybe you've realized there are things that you've kind of turned to that maybe you haven't taken God off your list, but he isn't number one anymore. It's kind of dropped down a spot or two because other things have become more important. We're not going to qualify it this morning. You just need a fresh start with God. You just need to get put him in his rightful place in your life. Maybe for the first time, maybe you're just in here and you need another chance or another. That's you in here this morning. You're going to make that commitment just to, and I'm going to know God and I'm going to make him known. That's you in here this morning. Can you just raise your hand? God bless you. 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 Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? God bless you, man. Can I just tell you that God is so proud of you? And I don't know any other way to say it because I know on earth it's a big deal when your dad's proud of you. It's so much bigger deal when God sees you throw that hand up. God bless you. And he sees you put that hand up and he just says, that's my kid. That's my kid. Putting me back in that rightful place and there's nothing I won't do for them. There's nothing that they're going through that I cannot help them overcome. He overcomes everything. I'm going to ask everybody in here to repeat after me this morning. Everybody say, Father God, I give you my life. I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I put all my trust in you. Forgive me for the wrong things I've done. My life is yours. Every part of it. I trust you. I'm living for you now. I love you, God. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray over those people that raised their hand real quick. Father, I thank you for those people that raised their hand in here this morning, God. Whether it's they've walked away, God, or they've just realized, Father, they've put something in your place. God, now that you've shined your light on it, God, I just thank you that they walk out of here, God, they know they're free. They walk out of here, God, they know they can overcome anything. Because greater are you that lives on the inside of them than he that lives in the world. And God, we think that you place that living water on the inside of them, God, and this community is not the same because they go out in love. They don't go out in judgment, Father. They go out in love to reach people for you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.